0: This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. With me this week are two stupendous human beings that I know, Kate Scotchless. Hello. And Kate Lamphere. Hi. It's the Kate and Kate special. This is a once-in-a-very-long-time kind of opportunity for you listeners out there. This is going to be a fantastic episode. I can already feel it in my bones, or I should say in my jellies, because who didn't love Detective Pikachu? I know I did. We're not here to talk about Pokemon or anything like that, as much as I'd like to, Instead, we're going to be talking about comic books, so let me ask the question I ask every single week. How have you been? How have comic books been? Let's start with you, Kate Scotchless.
1: I went to two different libraries and pulled out stacks and stacks of books to read for our topic this week, which is Mm -hmm. adaptations of YA uh, books. And so that has been most of my comics reading this week, but I also checked out... A far number one, I actually did the $1 image number one issue when I went to Free Comic Book Day. It was one of the things I picked up at my shop because, you know, it's always good to support your shop when they're giving you free stuff. Oh, yeah. And the cover was pretty. And when I opened it to a random page, it was a nice drawing of whales. And so who wouldn't want that in their life? Mm-hmm. This is the series by Layla Del Duca and Kit Seton. It's interesting as just having the number one was frustrating because the stuff that was interesting is that basically when she goes to sleep, she's getting transported to other worlds, um, like astral projecting, and that's cool, but you wouldn't know that that's what's happening unless you read the little, like, quote summary of what it's about. And so I think this probably reads a lot better as a trade because not. Enough happens in the first issue to really get what's going on. Mm -hmm. Um, And I wanted to I remember seeing the
0: art for this and being kind of blown away by the cover, but I I never actually had a chance to check it out.
1: I think I'm going to check it out um, from the library kind of thing, because I was a bit on the fence, and I'm not sure if that is just because I only had this one issue... And it needed more time to do world building and all that the way that sometimes fantasy books do. I am curious why they didn't do what they did for... Image does fairly frequently with um, number ones that need to do a lot of world building all at once. We'll give them a long first issue that's like, you know, just a lot thicker like Monstrous did that. Right. Um, I think that would have served this book well because... With again, like without having read the little quote about what it's about, I wouldn't have understood that she was like going to sleep and going to other worlds and stuff. So, interesting. Yeah. How about you, other Kate? Kate and Kate doing Kate (laughs) things.
2: I read Flying Witch by Chihiro Chihiro Ishizuka. Um, This is pretty much what it sounds like a girl comes to say with her cousins to train as a witch. And as the story progresses, it's clear that although she's a witch and she has a lot of potential power, she only really uses it to fly her broom, Um, which comes up as a, as a part of the plot when her sister shows up and everybody gets really excited and she shows her how to summon crows. And then she says, my camel misses me. And then she portals back to Egypt. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) (laughs) So, um, In the rest of this book, the main girl learns about farming and there's a very wonderful panel or page where it shows her chasing a pheasant across the farm back and forth and one of her cousins says, oh, she's tilling the farm. So... Uh, What? (laughs) So this manga is, is a pretty fun book and I'm pretty sure that I grabbed this first this first volume because my library had three or four volumes of it and I absolutely want to know what else happens and if she does explore her magic more or if the sister shows back up from Egypt or mm-hmm. if she learns more about farming. I'm very intrigued. It's very cute. There are a lot of, of wonderful secondary characters that are well, well developed. I've actually never seen... Um, accents, Japanese accents referred to in, in manga before. And in this one, the dad of the cousins actually ha- speaks with an accent. And that's clear by the way that things are spelled. Um, so that was really intriguing. And I'm kind of wondering if I looked up those dialects, if I'd be able to tell that there are Japanese accents, being a, only an English speaker myself. Mm-hmm. So, So it's a cute book. I recommend it it's very delightful <laughs> yeah Mike, it, looks, when, it,
0: look, it looks like kind of a I, I Wikipedia the the name of this because I'd never heard of it before it looks like a kind of like a slice of life comic that also involves like learning about magic is, would you say that's an apt description
2: yes yep okay. yeah it seems like the majority of characters uh, in the world don't know that magic is real but when this girl shows up her cousins seem to be in on it and her, her cousins Friend, girlfriend, I don't know. She's like, oh, there's magic. Okay.
0: <laughs> Interesting. So. Interesting. What did you read, Mike? For me, I sat down. I read a bunch of books, a lot of X Men books, but I'm not going to talk about that. Instead, I'm going to talk about. I read Wasted Space number nine. I don't want to go into this too much because spoilers. It's also my pick of this week. So uh, all I want to say is praise be to Yam and holy shit! Issue number nine left us with a huge cliffhanger, and I have so many fucking questions that number 10 had better answer, but the thing I do want to talk about is Invisible Kingdom number one. This is by G. Willow Wilson and Christian Ward. Uh, This is one of those dark horse books that came out under the Karen Berger line, and for those of you that don't remember, Karen Berger was basically the reason why Vertigo was so fucking awesome for so many years, and then there was this huge controversy when they just dumped Karen Berger as this Uh, editor um, over at vertigo and people were like what the hell there doesn't really seem to be a reason and when she did interviews she was like it seemed arbitrary and dark horse being the clever company they are scooped her right up and was like hey why don't you just run an entire line of books from dark horse and make some really cool shit and Karen Berger has a very good eye for strange books that are going to sell really well. I, I don't know how else to describe it, but n- nonetheless, all of the Berger books that I've read so far from Dark Horse, such as The Seeds, um, have been really good. And I will say The Invisible Kingdom, number one, this is a really cool book. Just from the get go, uh, like I said, G Willow Wilson, she's she's diving into some deep sci-fi stuff. And if anyone knows anything about Christian Ward, if you've looked into any of his art, such as work that he did on uh, Odyssey with Matt Fraction, or the work that he did with on Black Bolt with Saladin Ahmed. Uh, Those books are fucking gorgeous, and the space stuff is the coolest thing. So, imagine a whole book that's just pure high-level sci-fi. So, honestly, this pairing is killer. For a comic book, I think Willow is leaning really, really hard into deep sci-fi territory, which I'm 100% on board for, lots of space mystery and cosmos and eldritch evils from beyond the veil kind of things. Uh, And this is stuff that I'm really, really into. Uh, I was a little thrown. There's like a parallel storyline that's going on that doesn't really seem to be related um, until the very end. Um, And I was a little thrown by that until like the last couple pages of the issue. And my brain just exploded with like an, oh my God, this is gonna be so much bigger than I thought. Uh, so I know there's a few issues out in this series because the first issue came out maybe two or three months ago, but I'm definitely going to keep reading. Uh, it's very likely that I'll just wait for the trade at this point, but issue number one really sold me. Like any, At this point, I'll try anything that Christian Ward is doing, so um, I'm totally on board. But it's a really cool, cool-looking book, and I, I really hope to, that the rest of it is as amazing as the first issue. And I, I have no doubt, like, G. Willow Wilson is a talented, fantastic writer, and uh, so I'm really looking forward to the next couple of issues of this book.
2: That's good to hear. I keep looking at this at my my local comic shop and considering picking
0: it up. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's it's a beautiful book. Like, I am almost kind of kicking myself for not grabbing the first issue in physical, um, because Christian War's art is just to die for, and it's it's beautiful to read on like a computer screen or on a tablet. But I I guarantee you that in person, it's it's going to be even better. So, yeah. Uh, otherwise, let's let's talk about comic books that are coming out this upcoming week. Comic books are dropping on May 29th, 2019. What are you both excited for? I already kind of played my hand on this, so <laughs> let's just jump over to you, Kate Scotchless.
1: I'm looking forward to Stranger Things 6, number one. Now, what? that is not confusing at all. So, 6 is spelled out as in the way 11 was named 11. 6 is 6, and it's the first issue of this <laughs> lore are you there's still with me (laughs) yeah yeah okay um this is the first uh like prequel comic series to come out um it's written by jody hauser with art by ed edgar salazar and marissa louise and so it's about six and she has precognitive abilities and has ended up a pawn of the government that wants to harness that power obviously because it's stranger things i'm excited for it i want more backstory for all these different kids other than 11 i was very Mm -hmm. here for that part of the last season and i think this is going to be perfect for getting hype for the next season that's coming out soon
0: i've heard that jody hauser did a really good job on that the current series that's going on have you read any of that kate
1: no but i've liked some of her stuff before she wrote faith didn't she
0: I think so. She also did that yeah. Catwoman series for, for anyone out there. I, that, I heard that that was very good, and then DC kind of screwed the pooch on it, but uh, yeah, that's, that's neither here bad. nor there. Jody Hauser, very talented writer.
1: Yeah.
2: Also just a very good person.
0: <laughs> oh Yes, also that. Uh, Kate, what about you? What about you, Kate Lamphere?
2: Um, I am excited for Coda number 12. I've talked about this on the show before, so I'll just mention that this is the last issue and that these books have been building up for me because it's very frustrating with, with such a complex um, world that I would have to wait a month between issues and then I forget like all of the, the fine details that are actually important to the story, such a size but
1: barrier problem. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I am purposely yeah. trade waiting this, so I almost picked this because that being the last one means I get it now. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. Agreed. Well, I'll have I'll have all of them shortly, so you can borrow them as soon as I've read all of them. But it's a very colorful book, both in the world building and character development, and physically the art. So I'm excited to finally sit down and read all of this Ish- issue issue back to back story <laughs> as if it yeah. were a trade mm-hmm. there we go
0: <laughs> yeah I'll be picking up the trades of volume one and volume two um for this because I I love Size Spurrier but I think Kate when you first started reading this you were like this is way too complex to read in single issues yeah <laughs> so I I'm happy to that I trade waited for it
1: uh, yeah as soon as I see Cy Spurrier's in a book I both want it and also want it in trade <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah. See, he's got to go work for TKO, and then he can just put out six issue miniseries that you, all in one go, and you can just read it all in one go.
1: Well, I hope they uh, publish this as one trade because isn't it, this is a twelve issue maxi?
0: Yes, it's twelve issues.
2: I don't know how they're, if they're gonna do like two volumes or yeah. a, just a large one. I'm not sure. Yeah,
0: I know the first volume came out, oh. so I think they're gonna probably publish oh, okay. it as two, and then eventually yeah. do like a one altogether one. Yeah, yeah. that's there just was- how Image rolls.
2: There was kind of a a break um, in the story. Like, there was a a pretty good switch point, I think, because I think I stopped reading the issues around issue six or seven, which is usually where they start um, binding things into a volume, I think. Right. Yeah. So I think that it would read pretty well um, in trade, even if you have to wait for the second trade.
1: I wonder what the cutoff point is, because um, The Spire, they put out all as one volume, but I think that's like eight issues nine issues?
0: Yeah, I think it was eight issues. I don't know if Tom had, but I don't that's know. also it's, it's also Boom Studios, right? Like oh, that's crap. Boom You're Publishing right. versus right. Image. So
1: I forgot that that wasn't Image.
0: Yeah, it's 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 always different depending on the publisher. Now yeah. I'm double checking myself to make sure that that's right. I'm pretty sure No, nope, no, nope, Coda is you also can, from Boom. I'm the dummy. You can
1: write m- Mike at IRCB I I corrected myself.
0: (laughs) I corrected myself. It's Um, coda is also from Boom. Subject
1: line (laughs) Dum Dum. Yeah.
0: Honestly, if we got if we got emails from people that said, um, actually, I think I would cry. I would break down (laughs) (laughs) wherever I was, and just start crying with laughter, sadness, all these things, all these emotions would just take me over. Anyways, let's, hold on, let me tell you about the book that I'm excited for this week. I already played my hand, I already, I know, but I'm very excited for Wasted Space number 10. This is Michael Marici with Hayden Sherman on art um, and colors with Jim Campbell on letters. I know I got to get everything right here, otherwise some folks on the internet are going to call me out, but all I want to say is I got to know what happens in issue 10. I'm I read issue nine like last night or the night before, and like they've been building, I'm just going to put some general open things, minor spoilers, whatever. They've been playing with this idea of dropping nukes on the universe's elites for a long time, and the way that issue nine ended, I feel like Michael Marici is playing a joke on everybody, like in his synopsis for this book, because the way that issue nine ends, I... I don't know how there's more book after issue nine. That's the way that I can, <laughs> that's the only way I can say it. You can take that as you will. Um, I got to know what the hell's going to happen. Um, yeah, so I'm very excited for issue number 10 of this. And I, I praise BD Yam that there is more of this book. I want more of this <laughs> book forever. <laughs> so if you guys haven't read Wasted Space, I highly recommend it. Because Raggy Joe got on my ass about it. And boy, now I love this book. It's a great sci-fi. So anyways, let's let's take a break and I will stop being a spaz about these sci-fi books and instead we can start talking about young adult adapted books into comics. <laughs> Look they're um, Okay. Uh, I, I trust me. And manga and all I wanna say is I'm just very not familiar with this subject. So we're gonna take a break and we'll be right back. our show this week, we are talking about something that quite honestly scares me to death, young adult books adapted to comics and manga. I didn't think that this—that there was this many options, and then I talked to Kate and Kate, and it turns out there's an entire underground secret society of people <laughs> that are reading young adult books that are adapted to comics and manga. Now, a little bit of that is a joke, but I genuinely was surprised at how many books out there that were adapted to comics and manga like there are the just the list that we have here that kate and kate have read is huge and yet there are hundreds and hundreds more like i'm very curious as to how this even became a thing but let's just go into this kate and kate you both dig on this stuff what are some of your favorites what gets you hooked in because obviously you're reading the books and then you're reading the manga or is it like something different
2: i think the first book that I realized was available as a
0: comic was actually Twilight years and years ago. Um, the, wait, there was a Twilight comic? Okay. I'm going to stop. I'm not going to do that the entire time. I just... Yes. Okay. So, there was a Twilight comic. I uh-huh. didn't realize that.
2: And that's the first one that I noticed, but um, I there are, there are so many more books that have been adapted. And... Although I'm reasonably sure that I have read that one, um, it didn't make much of an impression. So there's a lot more that I can talk about that did. And That's that all right. I highly recommend.
0: <laughs> and I guess to before we really get too deep in on this, like the idea of what a quote unquote young adult book is 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 there like a specific definition that really suits these types of books?
1: So it's an age range demographic. When you're looking at the publishing right. industry, they talk about like middle grade, YA, and then adult. And so there's certain things that make something solidly in the adult category, like significant violence, sexual content, stuff like that. Um and swears. Stuff. Yeah, real bad swears. <laughs> um, but like you can have swears in YA. You can't you just can only have certain swears. Gotcha. Yeah. Like you can say the S word, shut up.
0: Oh That was uh, but, a big okay. one
1: in our house. Um,
0: <laughs> but but really, like there's there is like a specific thing. It's like the type of story and the type of topics that they sure. usually cover. Right? So the,
1: so one of the easy ways to tell who any um, product for kids is made for is by the age of the main character. And so for um, children's, it's usually the character will be a year or two older than the intended demographic. So like if you're writing a book for a nine or or 10 year old, your character might be 11 because kids always want to be bigger. The next biggest kid is... Yep, exactly. So that's an easy go-to way of figuring out who they're aiming for. Also the vocabulary level, um, stuff like that. But I... So I definitely have books on my list here that I'm talking about that are solidly um, middle grade fiction, but I'm counting it because they're all shelved together at my bookstore and library. Um, it's gotcha. just the it's just the not adult section of comics versus the oh no this is Watchmen and Deadpool comics over here in the dirty manga.
0: Um, <laughs> but chimichangas, all right. Um, <laughs> sorry. So th- I guess to to go into this further now, I guess, the, the question here is, you know, so you guys have read a lot of these books that were already adapted. Like, what are some of the examples of, of books that you were like, I need more of this. I want to see how this was interpreted as a comic or as a manga.
1: So for, as far as I can tell, now this might be, this is very based on what is available to me when I walk into my local bookstore and my library. But as far as I can tell, if any property is a cash cow, like Twilight or Harry Potter or anything like that, it frequently, if it gets the movie treatment, it's frequently getting some graphic novel treatment, too, because it's just yet another thing they can uh, milk out of it, you know? Right, So right. some of them are a lot better than others, and a lot of the ones on this list I didn't read until um, we decided to do this episode. And for me, it's more a curiosity the same way I go see these movies if I've enjoyed the book, because I'm curious to see what they did with it. And I'm interested to hear what Kate's experience is, because it sounds like you have read some of these graphic novels before the books. And that's definitely not something that I've experienced before. And I am wondering if it makes them a lot better.
2: Um, The only one that I didn't actually realize was a novel before I read the comic was The Amulet of Samarkand by Jonathan Stroud, which I actually found out wasn't... Such a good book series. Yeah. I I didn't realize that it was a prose novel until I talked to you about how much I I enjoyed this comic that I picked up at the library. And you were like, wait, like the books?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Guys, for the general public, um, just so you know what a good friend I am, I gave books one and three of this to Xander. And he can cherish them forever. Not book two. I'm not that good of a friend to give him the f- complete trilogy, but I did give him <laughs> one and three. <laughs>
2: um, but I haven't read the the novel of this yet. Oh, see, but Andrew I did has really. It. You can borrow it. <laughs> okay. Okay, that's good to know. Um, I will I will steal it for you and then give it back to you.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm doing that moving thing where you realize how many books you own and then you give that burden to your friends.
2: Yep. It's a good strategy. Yeah, um, but I did really enjoy the Amulet of Samarkand. Um, the it was really colorful, like I mean, in the way of young adult right. graphic novels. <laughs> Not
1: all of them, but it, it was, turns out, but yeah.
2: Yeah, weirdly, um, but it was a really well paced story about I think it was about a a guy, a kid that ends up with this amulet that has a bunch of magical properties in it, and then he has some kind of isn't it a, a
1: Someone's a djinn, but then the djinn um, used to be super powerful, and so he's real cocky and stuff, but in current era, he's not very powerful at all, and they're up to hijinks and theft and stuff. It's like the best kind of kid fantasy YA, where children are smarter than adults, and they're definitely doing crimes.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like Artemis Fowl, which I could also talk
1: about. Exactly. I love the Artemis Fowl books.
0: Um, right okay so I mean without like jumping all over the place for different books I mean like what was it for to to go back to kind of like my original question are there books out there that you've read and then you're like I need more of this I need to see this adaptation and then you've picked up the the manga or picked up the the comic adaptation and I guess another side question to this is what what makes a book go from why a like prose novel into manga or comics? Is there like a is there a pattern that you guys have noticed to see like it goes from a book, it gets a movie treatment, and then a comic comes out or a manga comes out? Like what determines what type of comic is is made off of those books?
2: I've actually kind of noticed. I I don't notice the comics until the book has been out for a few years and like the enthusiasm has kind of died down yeah so it seems like they release a comic when they want to try to kind of reinvigorate that same market which is valid because I go and read them
1: (laughs) yeah I would um I think part of that is just the time it takes to create them too because some of them have like legit art that takes time um, right. Like, the Percy Jacksons and the Olympians has a bunch of graphic novels for each book, uh, adaptations. They do? Yeah, the what? Rick Royden oh. series. Oh, and my the goodness. art is, it's Tomas Gaspar, and the art is really good. Um, oh, sorry, that's the color work. The color work is really good. The art is also good, but the colors, like, are what make you pop, pull it out of the gra- uh, library. But the... Disney Hyperion owns them and have just been cranking them out. And that's one of the ones that works really well because it's such an action-focused series that it lends itself to comics. The problem is that they drew Annabeth totally wrong. Just completely, that is not what Annabeth looks like. And that is a key problem for me anytime I go to these after already having read the book because you see someone else's visualization of a character and they're just never correct.
0: Yeah. Right. I, it's. I had this problem with the with the Dresden Files, but yep. that's just that's a whole other thing. Yep. That that series has its own set of problems on top of characters not looking right. Uh, but it's still, that not not necessarily why either. But um, my 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 experience with this is very very limited. I mean, I I'll be completely honest here. Like up until. Last night, like, I I was like, oh, shit, I should probably read some of this stuff rather than just show up to the show with nothing to add. And so I read most of, like, the Beautiful Creatures manga that was put out. And I was like, I, I feel like I've heard of this before. And I so I Googled the, the name of it. And I was like, oh, yeah, there was that movie that came out. Oh, that the had, like, movie was a dumpster
1: Emma, fire. <laughs> it had like Emma Thompson. So dumb.
0: Well, you say that, except for as I'm reading this manga, I'm like, oh, this is just the trailer. Like, I got a mm-hmm. little over halfway through the book. And I was like, this is just the trailer from the movie. Is this what the book is like? Is it no. whatever? And I, I posted in the chat. And it seems like the series is very different. According to Kate and Tia, you both were just like, no, th- this book is totally different different um than the manga so i'm curious like how do you guys feel about when you know you read a book and you love a series and then you read the comic book or the graphic novel and the story itself not just the art or the depictions of the characters but the story itself is like drastically different in order to maybe appeal to a quote-unquote different market who's consuming these
1: so the reason it's different isn't that the actual plot points are different it's different because that series is um the books are all very from the internal point of view of the narrator, right? So it's lots and lots of inner dialogue, inner thoughts, and you don't get like any of that hardly in the manga or movie because that's really hard to do visually, right? Unless you made it Mm -hmm. like the wordiest comic ever with just tons and tons of um, thought boxes. But it also is so weird as a manga because um, he has a connection that I don't want to spoil with the... Um, female lead character but it is confusing to depict visually this power they share Mm -hmm. that makes sense in a way that it was very easy in the books because you're just describing it right and so the books are very atmospheric and all very um you're in this teenage boy's head as he's both you know being a teenage boy and also trying to figure out and solve this mystery um with Magical realism and all that stuff. Right. So I think it's, that's where it's so different versus something like, um, oh, what are the James Dasher book series called? The It's like Maze Runner and Scorch Trials and yeah, books yeah. like that and books like the Percy Jackson books are all just action stuff. So it's very easy visually versus books that have a lot more going on in characters' heads.
0: Gotcha. Um,
2: that might have been part of what I had problems with the golden compass adaptation yeah um my biggest problem with that adaptation was the way that they drew the main character's face (laughs) like (laughs) the art the art was much different than the majority of the the ya adaptations that we've seen where it's kind of a a modern um kind of bubbly art style i want to say um, and this one was a lot of line work. Um, it had really natural colors, which I'd, I actually didn't mind, except when it came to faces. Um, some of the faces were just really difficult to look at. Like like Lyra, the main character's face, was kind of like weirdly bulbous. And her eyes were <laughs> way too fall up, far no, apart. No, she's supposed to be en-
1: so sweet and cute.
2: Yeah. And the entire story was focused on her. So you saw her and, you know, multiple panels in a page. So, but... I remember the novels also being a whole lot of her, her inner thoughts right. and her figuring out the mystery of what is dust and like what's going on, like who's her parents and how does that matter to her. And yep. um, you lose a lot of that, that nuance when you only have um, a visual medium where you can't really involve a whole lot of the character's um, interior monologue.
0: So would you would you guys say that you enjoy a lot of these, or is it just like a handful that you don't think work as well because they the books themselves are written more like as an inter like heavy internal monologue?
2: The Golden Compass is the only adaptation that I haven't enjoyed. Gotcha. So I okay. love most of them.
1: I find them pretty hit or miss. I really like the Graveyard book um graphic novels. I think it's two volumes. Uh it seems like Neil Gaiman books tend to be turned into comics for obvious reasons there's one of Coraline too but Mm -hmm. I didn't like the Coraline one um that one all the art is done by P. Craig Russell instead of graveyard book he only does some of it but the art in Coraline like in my mind that book is so dark and atmospheric and like creepy like dark in the shadowy way like visually dark and the comic is not. It is bright and light colors. And it is definitely creepy, but in a totally different way. And mm-hmm. I also am used to having the Coraline um, depiction from, remember that animated movie? Yeah. That they did of yeah. it. And so having yet another totally different look from not what I envisioned when I was doing reading the book and not what the movie looked. I don't know. That one just didn't click as well for me because of all that. But the big thing was the color. um, just seems so off tonally to me for the the book. Um, But I think, by and large, the big thing is how well it's adapted because problems like that going from internal to visual and stuff like that, those can be overcome to an extent by a really good adapter, someone who's really um, proficient with comics. And obviously some people are just better at it than others. Um, Mm -hmm. And then the more action-focused ones that are just – they just lend themselves a lot better to comics. So I really like the Sea of Monsters. Of the ones I checked out and read part of um, to talk about them, I think that's the one that I'm gonna make sure I finish before returning it to the library. And I'm not confident that I read this book. Like, I definitely remember some of these plot points, but it might just have been my sister telling me. (laughs) So it's (laughs) like, I, I remember it less than I remember the other ones. Gotcha. I'm curious, Kate, if you checked out A Wrinkle in Time's graphic novel.
2: I haven't. I didn't know that it existed until I saw it in the notes.
1: It's weird. It's the only one. So it's <laughs> a very cartoonish stylized um, line work with all of the colors are black, white, and blue. And so it's very it's very interesting to me. It was an interesting art choice, um, for, especially for a children's book. To go with that because you think kids might be less forgiving of interesting art than adults you know what i mean like something that's different um so i wonder how it did honestly
0: yeah i've never i've never read that book i i i i feel bad like i feel like a lot of these i'm like oh i've heard of all of these books but well, i've never i haven't read any of them like i think my list of young adult books that i've read are the ones that i put in our notes which are like harry potter hunger games Red Rising, and I only read the first Red Rising book. I haven't read um, that one yet. It's okay. Don't read it. Uh, <laughs> and then I read the Maze Runner series, and because I don't know what it was, but I f- was obsessed with that series for a moment. I only read the and, first one. And you know what? You shouldn't read the rest of it, because on the <laughs> whole, it's not a, it's not like a great series, but I, for some reason, was really into it when I, when I was reading it. Did you like the movies? Audiobook. I only watched the first one... And I, quite honestly, I don't remember a lot of it because I think I was mad at the adaptation. Yeah, because they take so many shortcuts. Yeah, um, to get rid of I don't know. I love the little the, the thing about YA books that get me because I'm I'm such a sucker because the Hunger Games ruined my brain. Yep. is that like I love the idea of we're in this dystopian world and and everything's bad and oh no our main character is so special and because they don't fit in any of the circles of the world that we've created and that makes everyone mad. You know, yes. um. I love that stuff. It sucks me right in. Have I, you I just read wanna... Divergent. No, you so up been, your alley. <laughs> I've been telling myself that I'm going to just not read the books and only watch the movies.
1: No, don't do that to yourself. I didn't
2: make the last movie. I know, movie, but I really want my. I really want to my,
0: really hurt myself, though. Okay, you don't understand. Like, I know that those movies are bad.
2: <laughs> okay. Well,
0: no, I'll read. That's the this thing. Has like, I do Ending
1: of... to. I read comic books. Well, <laughs> this that's the thing. Week. I don't
0: read. I don't. I don't read a lot of YA, but like getting into this this beautiful darkness or beautiful creatures manga like wasn't hard for me to jump in i kind of i kind of smelled out the plot you know right from the get go but um it it's still an interesting thing and i know the beautiful creatures manga is not perfect or anything but i mean i forget that jumping into YA books is so easy it's mm-hmm. so easy to just get sucked in and next yeah. thing you know you're 150 pages in and it's like oh shit like That's a really easy, entertaining story that I just read. It's not going to like change the world or, you know, make me think super differently about everything and everyone that I've ever met, but it's still very entertaining stuff. And I have to imagine that when creators are taking these books and they're reading them and they're trying to adapt them, like whether or not they're trying to, keep it one-to-one for the story they're also trying to say well this book was really entertaining how do we make it visually exciting for people um, in a way that's going to keep them reading and say oh this is a slightly different take on a book series that I already love Uh, maybe it's it's changing the way that some characters look or changing some scenery um, to say like oh this is different but it's different in a good way Um, and it sounds to me like you guys have experienced maybe a mixture of both where you've been like oh this is a good change or that was a bad change I don't like how that character is portrayed but showing how this building looks actually clears up a lot of confusion i had in my mind you know um i think it's 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 all across the board um but yeah that's that's just my my two cents on this but how did did you guys feel about like did you have any other books that you really enjoyed that you wanted to bring up today
1: i'm gonna correct you here mike or clarify clarify Uh, ya books are popcorn fun and not meaningful or life-changing for us as adults i would say for their target demographic they can be really really meaningful and life-changing and thought-provoking because the first time you come in contact with something or the first time something clicks is a lot different than when you've had that in your world for you know 20 years so i would say some of these are actually pretty profound um stories like a wrinkle in time is a really big deal about this girl who um is dealing with the family stuff, but is really, really intelligent. And it's okay to be intelligent. And that is actually say it helps her save the world. And so many stories of these about, are about like finding yourself, but also your own power and your own voice. And I think Mm -hmm. at least for me personally, when I was 11, 12, 13, and just like the total dweeb, right? Like they do make a difference. Um,
0: Yeah, so, I guess, yeah, I wasn't trying to necessarily hand wave all the books. Okay. I mean, as a 30 year old adult,
1: right. I, I should right. say,
0: this isn't like, it isn't life changing stuff. But I think, that again, it's because I'm not the target demo. Like, because if I think back at, at young adult books that I read when I was that age, at yeah, like like the like, AIM demo, like those books broke my brain. Right? Like, like reading The Giver the, reading when you're the eight. Hobbit,
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Reading The Hobbit, reading Harry Potter yep. at like such a young age, like, yes, I totally agree with you yeah. there. So, it, thank you for correcting me because I, I didn't mean to like brush off all these books because they are really important books, and especially if they can be entertaining and fun for adults. Like, imagine how entertaining and fun they are for the demographic that they're aimed at. Yeah, um, and sometimes so, yeah, it's
1: yeah. good to have reminders of some of those messages that you don't necessarily get in adult. You know, if you are reading just lit lit books or whatever. Yeah. Um, I personally am curious to hear Kate's take on the Infernal Devices manga stuff, because I saw that when I was at the bookstore yesterday and like was l- laughing. <laughs> so I have never read those books, though. So
2: Kate, take it away. So I really enjoyed the prose novels even more than... Um, so back up a little bit. This is by Cassandra Clare. She also did The Mortal Instruments, City of Bones, etc. That is currently... Um, well, actually, the sh- the show just wrapped up. The show Shadowhunters. So she is a very um, popular author. She's got a lot of world-building um, backstory that kind of ties all of her books together. And the um, Infernal Devices is kind of her... I almost want to say it's like a prequel series to the City of Bones series. It's all about a kind of Victorian setting where there's also steampunk, there's clockwork creatures, um, and then it introduces the whole angels and demons and magic world that you see in more of her books. I loved this YA series as, as prose novels. I thought that it was really um, kind of heartfelt. It introduced this, this world really well. There was a lot of kind of this is the the society that they exist in and the reasons why it's outdated I guess kind of sexist Um, (laughs) um, and how how these characters were going to help change that um, and the comic book adaptation I was I was very thrilled to see that this was adapted because it hasn't gotten a movie adaptation so I wanted to see what they were going to do with it to see if it was going to bring in um, more more audience a bigger audience for these books um, except that I don't think that it did a terribly good job unfortunately um, I feel like I mean it. it's not bad I feel like if I just picked this up off the shelf without having read the prose books I would have liked it I might have read the second volume um, and they did actually adapt the entire all of all three books which is great because I feel like most of these adaptations they only get through part of the series um, mm-hmm. but I just feel like it lost a lot of the nuance between the characters that was clear in the books probably because of the internal narration again. But there were definitely some characters that were um, sweeter, um, kinder, or kind of more um, uh, self-contained, kind of within themselves, mm-hmm. and that was lost with this um, very visual dialogue. Like there wasn't a lot of narration in these books. So if you like the if you like the novels, I mean, I would still read the the manga, but.
1: I haven't read the novels. I do have the first one I found at a uh, used place for like 25 cents. So I I have it and I keep meaning to read it. But uh, as as I think we mentioned, maybe, maybe it was before we started recording, but I was talking about how I'm moving at the end of the summer. And I have so many books, you guys. I calculated it out. <laughs> I could not, if I just read my books that I own that I have not read and physical, we're not counting ebooks at this point. I could read just those for years reading a hundred books a year because I have so many I've accumulated from these like sale, um, like there's a, the PTO in Ann Arbor has a, uh, like its own shop, like a resale shop and um, some other like. go to Qantas Club and stuff too and they'll sell them for like 10 cents and how do you leave behind a beautiful hardcover of a book you want to read for 10 cents but then I never have time to read and here we are and then you're like friends I want you to still like me after we move so I'm not going to make you lift all these boxes of books so I'm purging it's rough call me Marie Kondo (laughs) does this spark joy yes it does All of my books spark joy.
0: Yeah. That's the problem. I
2: I did want to bring up Speak by Laurie Halsey Anderson. I've talked about this on the show before, but it's definitely worth mentioning again, especially because you guys had mentioned how some of these books can be very life-changing for younger readers. Um, This book was very popular when it first came out. It stayed at the top of bestseller lists for a long time. It was adapted into a movie with Kristen Stewart um this has just come up again and again in our society especially with the me too movement i feel like it was kind of a a literary um it it was early on when those things started coming out those stories and i think that this book really helped with that because it's a story about a high school girl that gets um abused (laughs) yeah sexually assaulted another boy yeah yeah thank you um and so I was really interested to see how they were going to adapt this really um, kind of heartbreaking, but also very um, necessary and good novel. And I was I was impressed with what they did with it. Um, if you're interested in this, go on Amazon. Their their look inside feature is extensive for this book, huh. so <laughs> you could decide if you like it um, well before you you know get to the end of the book um cool but the um i gotta let me look up who who the the illustrator is because emily carroll emily carroll did the illustrations for this book it's grayscale um but she does such a great job at making the main character look realistic you can see her emotions on her face as she walks through her life Um, all of the side characters have different body types, hair, hair hairstyles, clothing choices, all the things that are important when you're deciding what you, how you want to present yourself to the world. Um,
1: I'm very curious how this works because talk about a book that's all internal dialogue. I mean, the whole thing is that this girl has become more or less mute. How do they deal with that in a graphic novel?
2: It's, there's not a lot of actual dialogue. It is mostly narration. Okay. um, With the, the, the narration is kind of, you know, off in the um, background area. There's no dialogue boxes or anything. Um, And it's kind of got this handwritten look to the font. um, So it does kind of look more, more personal.
0: That's, that's interesting. I, I guess I'm... I, I, let me, you know, I think we, we've 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 kind of covered a lot of things today. Um, I'm wondering, maybe we have some final thoughts about young adult adapted manga and comics. Uh, maybe you can give like your top recommendation or two um, before we wrap up. I will say, like, I'm just I'm still waiting for my Harry Potter.
1: I yeah, know, right?
0: Comic book series, like that's all that I want in my entire life yeah. is just. Hundreds and hundreds of Harry Potter comics. That's all that I I, I can't believe. Like we've been talking about this, and it sounds like the standard practice is like cool, really popular book becomes a movie, gets a graphic novel treatment of some kind. Yeah, or both. Or manga. Give me a Harry Potter manga. Holy shit! Could you imagine Harry Potter? Oh my god! no.
1: No, I no that is sacrilege
0: shut up i would read the shit all right anyways that's be that's beyond what we're talking about here i guess to, to wrap up this episode um could you guys tell us like what what you really enjoy the most about young adult adapted comics and manga and maybe give one or two of your favorites
2: i like the graphic novel adaptations for the same reason that i like the prose books which is that for me, um, at this stage in my life, they're easy, fun reads. I'm familiar with, with most of the themes that are going on. It doesn't take a whole lot of my concentration, which is great because I only have so much time to read in a day. So I can't really like dive deep into a book at this point in my life, unfortunately. Um, I can't pay attention to like nonfiction or or literature that has a lot of themes and you need to know a lot of details. Like I just don't have that kind of time right now so it's important to me that I can just just enjoy a story for an hour Mm
0: -hmm. and then
2: do whatever I have to do for the day (laughs) right right um but these are also usually in my experience really well done so it stays true to the source material but then if you were to pick this up off the shelf without knowing the source material there's there's still good stories Gotcha. And I would recommend. Um, I mentioned the the Artemis Fowl series by Eoin Col- Colfer. There were eight prose novels, and only four of them were adapted, sadly. But they they ended at a really good spot. Um, that I didn't really talk much about this. The art is is really bright. There's this fairy technology that they do a really good job with. Um, it was a lot of fun. I don't. I think I enjoyed these graphic novels more than I enjoyed the original prose novels really oh wow um and then speak i'll just mention that one again that was so well done um just like the art is beautiful it's a wonderful story even though it's really heartbreaking (laughs) for part of it Mm -hmm. so i have to recommend that one yeah
1: Laurie Hulse Anderson writes a lot of, so she writes like the issues YA kind of thing. So she's written quite a few books that are the kind of books that you just want to give to like every adolescent girl and be like, listen, (laughs) these are things we don't talk about enough. And if, you know, so like she has one called about eating disorders and this one about assault and, you know, anywho. I would also do that one. I would say for our listeners in particular, um, if you like Neil Gaiman's like Sandman-type uh, comics, I would definitely recommend picking up the Graveyard Book graphic novels. Uh, they are very well done. It is in a similar style and vein to Sandman, so if you are into that, I think this would be right up your alley. It's also a very good book um, if you are feeling like just reading the book. I think for me... Um, So I do read literary fiction and nonfiction and stuff like that, but I tend to rotate through where I'll read like a heavy, dense book and then what I call like popcorn fiction, which is just like the blockbuster mindless flick that you go to and don't think Mm -hmm. don't need to think hard and just are having fun. Um, Or, like, some people call them cotton candy books, right? They're just, like, sugary nothing. And that's Mm -hmm. where YA comes into my life a lot of the times. Or And I do it more when I'm more stressed with other stuff or have been doing a lot of heavy textbook reading. Um, I think the other thing for me is I love science fiction and fantasy, and so many of these series are sci-fi fantasy books. And so because we're not, like, in it 24-7, the ones that – Pop up on my radar at this point because of my age are the like creme de la creme that rise to the top, right? The, the like their best series are the ones that pop up onto my radar. And so it's rarely disappointing. The only thing I right. can't stand in YA is that trope of the love triangle with a girl so special and both these boys love her for instantaneous yeah. and un- not understandable reasons. Um, that has been so overdone and I'm very over it. Give, give me I, at least some different variation on that, you know? I what
2: think we is square. kind of getting out of that All a right. little bit, thankfully. Yeah, thank God.
0: Gotcha. Well, uh, I'm just going to keep plugging Harry Potter until it dies.
2: Yeah, same. <laughs> it would have to be done so well, though. Like, I'm afraid yeah.
0: that, that they'll do it, and then it'll be bad. Well, here's oh, it's what, far too late. It's, it's what, far too late for them to do anything that would be happy for all of the fans. I, it's yeah, it's too true. much.
1: Here's what we need. We need a comic series that's in the universe of Harry Potter, but it's like different kids at the school. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. just like I don't want Harry in my comic. I want yeah, yeah. kids that are there like 5 years after everything in the Harry Potter series has ended. Or or give
0: us the 7 to, years before oh Harry god, Potter came to school. Oh my god, give me
1: comics of his dad and, you know, Padfoot and Prongs and we're oh, yeah. oh my god, their adventures would be fantastic for a comic.
0: What we need is for Marvel to buy Scholastic so that this can happen, just <laughs> like they did with or excuse me, so Disney, Disney to buy Scholastic so that they could do this just like they're doing with all the Star Wars comics. Um oh, no, anyways, my. I I just I'm I'm so very much in love with the Harry Potter series. It, it, it doesn't help that I've been listening to this Binge Mode series. Uh, this series called Binge Mode, and it's all about Harry Potter. Uh, they also did a whole thing about Game of Thrones. So if you want to like oh hear about all the information that's out there with Game of Thrones or all the information that's out there with Harry Potter, yes. they do such a good job. And I've been listening to the Harry Potter series, and it's uh, it just reminds me how much I love that. But anyways, we're, this has nothing to do with comics. It's just me wishful thinking. So, Kate, Kate thank you guys for both... Checking reading a bunch of these comics and coming to talk about them. I think this is a a really interesting discussion because it hits like this weird spot in comics where there's a lot of success already in the prose novels. Mm -hmm. And then you add the comics and it can add a lot more success because targeting that demographic of readers is very, very popular right now. So... Mm -hmm. Um, I mean we'll, we'll have to We'll do a follow up in three years uh, Once <laughs> you guys have read a bunch more And we'll talk about it again But uh, yeah so I guess well, I'm going to wrap up here And say you can follow us all on Twitter You can follow Kate at Kate Elfier You can follow Kate Scotchless elsewhere on the internet I don't think she's on Twitter anymore nah. And you can follow me at Mike Rapid And you can follow the show at IRCB Podcast Where we post all sorts of things I try to post things on Twitter and Instagram So make sure you're following us on both of those platforms
2: um, You can subscribe to our Patreon At patreon.com slash IRC cb podcast without your support this show wouldn't survive join now for access to exclusive audio and articles early access to top of my pile posts and more and then we have a great goodreads group um we've got weekly threads this week's thread was marvel graphic novel and trade paperback reading order we also have a yearly uh reading challenge that i am i am trying to get through there are so many good books
0: (laughs) same here same Uh, here i'm very much trying
1: yeah, I'm on the Goodreads struggle bus right now <laughs> just, yeah. Time is a thing That I want yeah. more of, please
2: Same,
0: mm-hmm. time turner,
2: please yes. Harry Potter again Yes, Harry yes. Potter
1: is relevant to every single conversation <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, We have a website at com That has a pronunciation guide, merch, and zines
1: You can rate, subscribe, and tell your friends, please. Share the show. If you haven't rated it, why not? It helps us. It's free for you. It's easy. It makes you look good because you're, like, sharing this with your friends, and they're all excited about it now. Um, You can also email all your complaints and hate mail to the show with comments, questions, (laughs) jokes, especially Mike Love's um, um-actually comments at ircb at destroythesive.org.
0: Infinity Shred does all the music for our show. They're the best band in the universe. Make sure to check out their new stuff that's coming out very soon at infinityshred.com or on Bandcamp. Xander is the coolest guy in the universe. He also edits this show. I want to say thank you to him for all the hard work he puts into this. This whole I Read Comic Books you know, massive thing that we do. Uh, I want to say thank you to Kate and Kate for being on the show this week. You guys are amazing. I want to say thank you to the listeners out there for being just incredible people. I, I, my heart melted. Someone posted on Twitter that they picked up a book because of our recommendation last week. I almost died. That's such a cool thing to see. I love when people tell us about that. Uh, so until next time, comics are good. And so are you.